Welcome to the Overcoming Adversity podcast presented by BYU Speeches, featuring BYU devotionals that help listeners tackle the storms of life and become more resilient. Be sure to check out our other podcasts by searching BYU Speeches wherever you get your podcasts or by visiting speeches.byu.edu slash podcasts. I would like to let my staff and my students and my athletes know that I am just as surprised as you are to see me up here. But please don't let it shake your testimony or your confidence in BYU. When I was about four years old, I fell out of bed. My father heard me crying and came into my room to check on me. As he helped me back into bed, he asked with all the compassion of a loving father why I fell out of bed. He always loved to tell me how I looked up at him with the eye roll of a rational four-year-old and said, obviously, I wasn't far in. I wasn't in far enough. As a result, that statement <clears throat> became the question that my father would ask me every time I encountered a struggle, trial, or difficult problem. And to this day, I continue to ask myself if I am in far enough. I don't want to burst your bubble by telling you that this life will include tests, trials, and tribulations, and that some of the trials you will face in life will be excruciating. What you do need to know is that according to my friends, I am not the luckiest person in the world, and I have had my share of challenges. We will all experience affliction, so I hope that sharing how I learned to get all the way in will help you along your path in college and life. I remember being a student at this university back in the 1920s. I came from a great home and was raised by incredible parents that shared their testimony through word and deed. I felt confident as I entered BYU that I had solid footing in the church. However, it was during my college life that I started to experience small struggles in life that began to test, my te- to test my testimony and my commitment to our Savior. It started with having to make my own decisions to go to church, say my prayers, and read my scriptures. And then came self-doubt, the struggle of suddenly being average, the loneliness, and the experience of your first C grade thrown at you. Next comes the curveball of dating and breaking up, combined with a small amount of pressure to get married, all while you're living with roommates that don't do the dishes and no one is liking your Instagram post. Well, at least I didn't have to worry about Instagram or Facebook. It was at a particular low moment in college when I came across the hymn, Master the Tempest is Raging. The second verse described perfectly how I was feeling at that moment. Master with anguish of spirit, I bow in my grief today. The depths of my sad heart are troubled. Awaken and save, I pray. Torrents of sin and of anguish sweep over my sinking soul. And I perish, I perish, dear Master. Oh, hasten and take control. However, it is the question in the first verse— Carest thou not that we perish, that continues to come to the surface whenever I'm struggling. I am sure that many of you here feel today feel troubled and distressed. Maybe you are at that moment where I was and feel that your ship is going to capsize or sink. To those whose hearts are breaking, 
or feel no one is listening, you who are stressed, worried, or afraid, to those who bear the burdens of sin and to anyone whose hearts are pleading, Master, carest thou not that I perish? The answer is yes. Your Savior does care and love you. The Savior will always love you, no matter what. It is the follow-up question in that first verse that took me many years to understand. Then why does he sleep when the tempest rages all around me? Why does he not still the storm? Or why would he let me suffer? During these moments, it is easy to think the Savior is oblivious to our trials, when in fact the reverse is true. It is we who need to be awakened. It is we that need to turn and find him. It is we that need to continue to follow his teachings. And it is we who need to ask, am I all the way in? I found that when life became challenging, my first reaction was to turn away from my Savior. I would abandon the foundational habits of prayer, scripture study, and hope. That reaction was a choice. It was a choice that I made. The Savior didn't abandon me. I turned from the Savior because I wasn't all the way in. Often, my students and athletes will sit in my office and discuss their problems or struggles. The athletes will ask, Why me? I'm trying to be good. I'm keeping the commandments. Why is the Lord allowing this to happen? No one is exempt, especially not you who are striving to do what's right. But these trials are not just to test us. They are vitally important to the process of changing who we are. At times it may seem that our trials are focused on areas of our lives with which we seem the least able to cope. Since personal growth is an intended outcome of these challenges, it should come as no surprise that our trials will be very personal. Now, I may be going out on a limb here, but if you are anything like me, then you want to have growth without any challenges and to develop strength without any struggle. Unfortunately, that is not how the process of growth occurs. As much as we desire it, growth cannot come by taking the easy way. Working with athletes, I recognize that an athlete who resists rigorous training will never become a world-class athlete. Anyone who wants to improve, win, or be the best must endure the daily torture of conditioning and practice. These are not easy, and I'm familiar with all of the excuses that are used because someone is tired, sore, or lacking desire, mostly because I have used all of them. The question then becomes, are you all the way in? We must be careful that we don't resent the very thing that helps us grow and change. And we need to be grateful that we have the Savior as a coach that knows us so well and will push us so that we come to understand that we are stronger than we think. As an athletic trainer, I spend a lot of time with athletes that are injured and struggling with the challenge to heal and return to their pre-injury level. This process is not easy, especially for the natural man that has zero patience for the process of growth and a generation that is used to getting things instantly. The process to rebuild tissue and muscle strength takes time and can be painful. The most common question that I get during these moments is, will I be the same after this is over? 
And my response is always no. You won't be the same. If you will be all the way in and follow my treatment and rehab plan, you will be stronger. You will learn more about your abilities. You will be awesome. My athlete has to trust that I have been here before and know that they can and will be successful. This challenge is the same for all of us when facing a trial and going through the pain and agony of change and growth. We must continue to turn to our Savior and trust Him as He works to smooth off our rough edges. In the Book of Mormon, it often talks about how the Nephites were taught the scriptures and believed the story of Moses and how God parted the Red Sea to handle the mighty Pharaoh and Egypt's great army. In 1 Nephi, we read about the three attempts that it takes Nephi and his brothers to get the plates of Laban. The the boys have tried two times and failed, so naturally, they ask the question in verse 31, How is it possible that the Lord will deliver Laban's into our hands? Behold, he is a mighty man, and he can command fifty. Yea, even he can slay fifty. Then why not us? Are you ever like Laman and Lemuel, who didn't have a problem believing that God could part the Red Sea for Moses and the Israelites, but they couldn't believe that God was powerful enough to help them get the plates from the mighty Laban? Or are you ever like me, believing that God helped Moses, Nephi, and Joseph Smith, but found myself doubting he would, that he would help me through my own difficult struggles? To be all the way in, you have to believe that his help is available to, you, he, to, available to you now, even when you feel that you are alone in the boat. You are never truly alone. Please know you are never truly alone. He will calm the sea for you, just as he's done for those that have gone before us. Don't listen to the voice of Satan that will tell you that he sleeps because he doesn't care if you perish. In fact, the opposite is true. In Matthew, it says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light." This scripture has an invitation and a promise. The invitation is to take up his yoke. The yoke was a device of great assistance to those who tilled the field. It allowed the strength of one animal to be linked and coupled with another animal. The result was two animals sharing the load to reduce the heavy labor of the plow or the wagon. A burden that was overwhelming or perhaps impossible for one to bear could easily and comfortably be borne by two bound together with a common yoke. The promise is that once we are yoked with him, our burden is lighter because he helps us carry it. Now, his yoke requires a great effort. We need to eliminate the idea that taking his yoke means that life will be easy and enjoyable. But let's not forget that our Savior was a carpenter. So he carved and rounded the yoke so that it fits perfectly over your shoulders. He made sure to smooth off the rough edges so it didn't dig into your back. And he has tailored his yoke perfectly for you to comfortably carry the load, thereby fulfilling the promise that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. 
A modern day yoke that most of you carried with you this morning is the backpack. As you put the load of books into the backpack, adjust the straps, and wear it on both shoulders, your ability to carry the load of books increases compared to your ability to carry them in your hands. The weight is not eliminated, but rather the energy required to sustain the effort is reduced. As a heavy-laden college student, imagine the power and peace of standing side-by-side with the Savior. As you choose to be all the way in and take his yoke, he will be yoked to your side, always standing with you to provide the support, balance, and the strength to meet your challenges and succeed. I learned the importance of the Savior's yoke through my battles with cancer. I I wasn't particularly thrilled with his plan to go through chemo and radiation. And I still wish that I had hired President Worthen to read through the small print on my contract for mortality. Nevertheless, cancer has brought me to my knees on many occasions. I learned quickly how Satan would wait until my strength was gone to cause me to doubt if God was really there for me. I had moments when I would question my testimony or wonder if I was worth saving or question if I had accomplished anything worthwhile in my life. It was at one of these low moments that I was reading the Savior's invitation in Luke 9:23, and he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. It didn't tell me to follow him as long as I didn't have cancer. And it didn't tell me to follow him only if I was married and had righteous children. And it didn't tell me to follow him only when I was having a good day. I learned that no matter my circumstances, I needed to deny myself and follow him daily. In other words, no matter what my struggle was, peace came as I continued to be all the way in the gospel. My staff and students and athletes will freely admit that I have a major addiction. I love sugar. Now, while chocolate, Oreos, and ice cream are delicious, they are not usually considered one of the world's most nutritious foods. With my apologies to all the faculty and students in nutrition and dietetics, I want to share how I resolved this dilemma by living my 80-20 theory of nutrition. My theory is that if I eat good food, good nutritious food, 80% of the time, then I can eat what I want the other 20% of the time. I found this approach quite successful, and I have looked for other areas in my life where I can apply this theory. I found that if I exercise 80% of the time, then I can skip 20% of my workouts. And if I make my bed 80% of the time, 20% of the time, it really isn't necessary. And if I got eight hours of sleep 80% of the time, I could survive on two hours of sleep when studying the night before tests and papers were due. I also realized I used the reverse of this theory when I was a student in college. When I did the dishes only 20% of the time, my roommates could do them 80% of the time. Now, this approach may have brought some success to my habit of eating and exercise, and it certainly helped my roommates learn how to wash dishes. But as often as I tried, I couldn't get the 80-20 theory to work with the gospel principles. I just couldn't find a way to keep my temple recommend by paying my tithing 80% of the time, or keeping 80% of the word of wisdom, 
or keeping 80% of the commandments. Living the 80-20 theory is not conducive to being all the way in and following the Savior. Living the gospel 100% of the time means doing the little things that keep us connected with the Savior every day. Develop the habits of the small, simple requests of his gospel by committing to read your scriptures daily. Say your morning, evening, and those testing center prayers daily. And find time daily to put down your phone and serve others. It surprises most people when they find out that I have a motorcycle. Now please, do not confuse this with the common scooter found on campus. I am the proud owner of what I affectionately call a Honda Davidson because it's cheaper than the Harley Davidson. (laughs) Riding my motorcycle is one of my favorite activities to reduce stress. I love these fall days that I can enjoy a relaxing ride home or through the canyon and feel the wind blowing around me. I will admit that that I enjoy being stopped at a red light or just when I've started my motorcycle and I'm in neutral, revving the engine, and I do so loudly. I love the sound and the feeling, the vibration of the the engine. I love feeling the power that I'm sitting on and ready to let go. But therein lies the difference. At some point to enjoy the ride, I have to put it in gear and use the power. How many of us spend our time in the gospel sitting in neutral and revving the engine? Unfortunately, to be all the way in, you have to use your faith and abilities to get out of neutral and use the power to serve as the Savior would and to become more like the Savior. We are all hearers of the word, which is just like sitting on my motorcycle, holding the clutch so the engine is in neutral and then revving the engine. Christ wants us to be doers of the word, which requires us to put our engines in gear and go to work. I pray that you don't leave here today just hearing my words, but that you choose to move all the way in. Take action. Do not wait for people to visit you. Go and lift others. Be active in your wards and apartments. Accept and fulfill callings. And do not wait for life to serve you. Find ways to serve and lift someone every day. Last year, as I was battling cancer for the fourth time and going through treatment, the soccer team came up with the Carolyn Can campaign. Believing that if anyone could beat cancer, it was me. Coach Jennifer Rockwood purchased shirts for everyone to wear. Words cannot express how inspiring this act was for me. Every day was a struggle to get out of bed and choose to fight. I would dread going to radiation. But often it was in that moment that I would receive a text reminding me that Carolyn can. Or I would see the girls wearing their shirts and their yellow wristbands and their hope, faith, and energy, which was so contagious would provide the strength I needed to continue to fight. Not every day was this simple. There were many days where I didn't have a bounce in my step or that were hard, or that it was hard to smile or laugh. And I found on those days my victory was simply just enduring the day. But because my soccer team lifted and served me, 
I found the energy to make it through each day and stay yoked with my Savior, who cared enough, who carried enough of my load so I could continue to press forward. One of my favorite scriptures is found in Romans 9, when Paul asked the question, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? This scripture has been a lifeline for me through difficult times. In the margins of my own scriptures, I have added, Will cancer, being single, shortcomings, sin, or tragedy separate me from the love of Christ? Will there be a struggle in your life that will separate you from the love of Christ? If so, then please hear Paul's next words when he declares, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. You are stronger than you think. Heavenly Father knows and loves each of you. If you will make sure that you are all the way in by trusting in the Lord— taking his yoke upon you, and following him, then he will make you a conqueror. I know that God lives, and I bear testimony that he is not sleeping while the tempest rages, and that he cares very much if you perish. Be all the way in, and I bear witness that he will always be by your side. I say these things humbly in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to the Overcoming Adversity podcast presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts of recent speeches, classic speeches, and BYU Speeches compilations on love and marriage by study and by faith. Come follow me, the prophet Joseph Smith, and Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. Go to speeches.byu.edu and click on podcasts for more information. You can also find all BYU Speeches podcasts at your preferred podcast provider.